We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Filato. The mailbag was overloaded. It was overfilled. We sorted it, but we had to move on to a second mailbag. This, this is mailbag part two, baby. Let's dive into some more questions from the listeners. How you doing tonight, Nick? Hi, I'm doing excellent. Ready to dive into more questions from these wonderful listeners we have. Mail time. Let's let it rip. Seaboro now asks, I think it's at Seaboro now, so you guys can go at him if you would like. <laughs> Has Jason Garrett ever successfully made use of a player with Kadarius Tony's kinds of tools in the past? What's the most similar player he's worked with? So I actually have two players that come to my mind here. Tavon Austin, that was in 2018 and 2019. And I want to say, I actually have some things written down about Tavon Austin for some reason. In 2018, he was targeted 13 times, had eight catches for 140 yards and two touchdowns. I remember a lot of them being trick plays. And then he ended up rushing the ball, I think, total of 12 times within the two years for just over 100 yards and a touchdown in 2019. He had 24 targets, 13 catches for 177 yards and a touchdown. So that one doesn't really, you know, inspire any sort of hope. You want to see a little bit more than Tavon Austin, yet I think Kadarius Tony is a much better prospect and player than a Tavon Austin. And another player that came to my mind a little bit, just from a size standpoint, is a running back, the kid out of Arkansas, not Darren McFadden, but Felix Jones. Now, I they are different players, but Felix Jones was used as a receiver, was used more so sure. as a running back, especially when injuries happened along the uh, Dallas running back room. But Jones never really fully lived up to the to the draft selection when, when, when they ended up taking him. So 
it, it doesn't necessarily, but that was also you know, years and years ago. So it's not something that I'm necessarily overly worried about. I'm overly worried about what I saw in 2020 and inserting a talent like a Darius Tony and then seeing it translate based on the play calling that we saw within the Giants personnel last year. Granted, the personnel is now upgraded, obviously. So yeah, that those are two players that did end up coming to my mind who I wouldn't say are totally comparable to Kadarius Tony, but they did come to my mind. Yeah, and you mentioned that was years ago. That's true, but that still does worry me because Jason Garrett's offense that he put out there in 2020 on film didn't look all that different from what he thought would work in the 2010. So while it was years ago with Felix Jones, he's not he didn't change enough. But I would say this as far as the hope goes, as far as the silver lining here goes, Seaboro now. There's hope, at least in my mind, that Jason Garrett will be forced to make some drastic changes, I, I can only hope, to that offense this year with all the new minds they've brought in. And I just don't think you draft Kadarius Toney to, to, and then use him as a traditional slot like Golden Tate was used last year in Garrett's system or something like that. So I still have some hope there. Think about that upgrade, too. We haven't really harped on that enough. Mm-hmm. The upgrade of Kadarius Toney over Golden Tate in 11 personnel. Yeah. It's a huge upgrade right there from an athletic standpoint. Obviously, Golden Tate is a is a professional football player who's been playing for a while, who has a Super Bowl ring, who is one of the best receivers who actually made people miss throughout his career. But last year, he was zapped athletically. So that's going to be a nice Still upgrade for the been Giants. Signed. No, I don't. Didn't he tweet something recently about like how he's rolling in? He's basically going to get signed. I think he tweeted something recently. Oh. So by the time this drops, maybe he, maybe he is signed. All right. Tej Holes asks, For the Giants to be a top five defense in 2021, who do you think would have to be their defensive MVP over the course of the season out of these three options? Xavier McKinney, Blake Martinez, or Aziz Ojolari? Well, out of these three options, if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with Aziz Ojolari, I guess. Uh, but I think the answer, if I'm just talking about other players, would be Leonard Williams. That would be my default there. Okay. I'm going to go with Xavier McKinney because I think if Xavier McKinney can give them what they expected when they drafted him, which is a Swiss army knife type guy who can play a lot of single high looks, but can also play in the box and also play kind of over the slot if they need him to, or if there's multiple guys in the slot, if a team is playing a little bit more creatively on offense and they motion a running back into the second slot, anything like that. They have multiple players in the slot. I think he can help there, come down, help there. So I just think ultimately he can play that biggest role and that most important role. It won't be the one that gets a lot of attention. It won't be the one that is in this stat sheet like somebody like Ojolari can do, rack up sacks and rack up pressures and force fumbles. But I just think he will ultimately be that most important player uh, out of those three. Unless he has like the Landon Collins type of interception season. Mm-hmm. Then you would definitely rack up those stats. Alrighty, Larry Darling asks, would you rather have rookie season Barkley with the cap hit or the 2007 version of Jacobs and Bradshaw for the upcoming season? I've been watching Jacobs' highlights recently and I miss watching him run over Diva the backs. You and I both, Larry. Yeah, Larry, it was fun those those 07 years where the Giants, like, remember, they did have Bradshaw and Jacobs, but that offensive line was so good. That's Derek really Ward what too, made man. it. Like, yeah, they had a year where I believe they might have had three 1,000-yard rushers with Derek Ward, or he was close with 800. Like, anyone was running behind that line in 07 and 08. But to answer your question, I would definitely rather take Barkley over either Jacobs or Bradshaw, unless you could give me that 2007 offensive line or that 2008 offensive line. Then I'll take, uh, if I get those along with it, I'll take Bradshaw, the combo of Bradshaw and Jacobs. But Barkley can run over D-backs too. Just look at some of those rookie season highlights. He can also make them miss, and he can 
elude their tackles. So he can do it all with the the only only question mark I ever have with Barkley is his vision on inside zone, which hopefully the Giants won't run as much, and just his general vision as a running back. I don't think is anywhere near elite, and I think a lot of people overlook that. When everybody I see on Twitter says he's the lockdown number one running back, it's almost like they're just looking at running backs in this mold of if they're the fastest, if they have the big most big plays, if they can force the most missed tackles. If they have the most power and size, they're the best. But there's nuances to playing the position. Nick Chubb is the best example of that. Dalvin Cook's another example of that. The dude had a 30-inch vertical and fell all the way into the second round because he had such a bad vertical jump and tested so poorly athletically. But what he was in college is what he is now. An incredible vision runner who makes incredible cuts and sets up his blocks. So ultimately, I still take Barkley. I think he's better in, in almost all regards with the exception of maybe vision from those guys. And if I'm not getting that 7 8 line... I'll just take Barkley. Yeah, I'm taking Barkley on the rookie contract. But since you mentioned the cap hit, I think Dan would be on board with me here. I'm not taking Barkley when he's the highest paid running back in the league. Yes. Mike asks, do you think Jason Garrett will last the season? With the variety of weapons on offense, does he have the vision to use them? My concern is he's Mara's man and therefore untouchable. It's a great question, Mike. I think that we've discussed this before. I think there's definitely in the realm of possibilities a non-zero chance without a doubt that John Mara won't fire Jason Garrett under any circumstance. They're good friends. John Mara believes that he's a good professional. I don't think Dave Gettleman really wants to change offensive coordinators in season. I think he was more open, and so was Mara, to changing offensive line coach. That's a little different, I think, especially because, as we kind of know, Columbo was Garrett's guy. They kind of were like, all right, Garrett, you can bring in your offensive line coach. We don't have any real great grasp on the offensive line coach market. And then this offseason, they put a lot of time into it and they found Rob Sale. It's like they obviously got to Guglielmo midseason. They're like, all right, this is as good as we can do for right now, but we're going to have a whole offseason to try to find that coach. And so I think they'd probably rather use a whole offseason to try to find that corner. But I don't think it's impossible with the role that Freddie Kitchens has kind of been upgraded to and kind of that assistant head coach type thing. And I, and I would say that because of that, it's not, a, again, it's a non-zero chance that he will get fired. So it's a non-zero both ways for me. It's a non-zero they won't fire him. It's not really they will. If you're asking me what I think will happen, I think he'll coach the whole season. Yeah, more than likely. And hopefully that offense is going to be stabilized. But anything can happen. I mean, we saw some crazy stuff happen with Mark Colombo. But I actually had a random question since you brought up Dave DiGuglielmo. Of the Giants 2020 staff outside of, coaching staff outside of Joe Judge, who would you want to have a beer with? And Patrick Graham, you can't, you can't, you can't bring Patrick Graham in there. No Judge, no Graham. From a personality standpoint, like just watching DiGuglielmo's uh, conferences and stuff, like that guy seems like somebody I would want to have a beer with, to be honest. Yeah, I think I don't the, even drink beer. I think Googs is. The, ugh, don't even get into that, please. The fact that you won't enjoy a beer is just unbelievable. And then I, I found like out, beer. I and this is the like funniest it. part. Well, that is a thing with beer. Yeah. It is true that it is an acquired taste, but once you acquire it, it's unbelievable taste. I had it when I was younger. I just strayed away from it. Okay, but a beer after like a long hike or a beer after like a mm, long, like, oh my God, it's so yeah. good. It's such a good feeling. But I did find this out recently from uh, Nick's girlfriend, Diana. Apparently, when he did used to drink beer, so now he just doesn't drink beer at all. I assume because of the calories. I can only assume it's because of that. But when he used to drink beer, he would drink the Michelob, like those Michelob light, like the thing they put on TV. It's like, you know, they're like, they're, these guys are like running. They're like, you could drink beer and still not feel bad. This is 29 calories. Michelob it's actually actually light. 90 calories. 90 calorie beer. <laughs> he knew the exact calorie down to it, down to it. 
actual oh. literal number, a digit there. But yes, when I heard that, I was just like nodding my head. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm a whiskey guy, though. I, I didn't. I, yeah. So calories don't really matter. I, I I love a good glass of whiskey. That's my acquired taste of the poison. There you go. But as far as who would I have a beer with, it would have to be the Goobs, if not Tyke Tolbert. Yeah, I was gonna say Tyke is my yeah. second. Or Jerome, uh, Jerome Henderson too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that'd he, be cool too. Yeah, that would be really cool. Honestly, though, maybe I would choose Jason Garrett because if I can get him a little drunk and, you know, I, I fucking slip in a couple shots, I can start to ask some secrets about those Dallas Cowboys years. That would be pretty interesting to find out. That would be really interesting. All right. Giants Roddy Piper, who have been hoping... It's either Roddy Pipper or Roddy Piper. I always read this as Roddy Piper because of, like, uh, the old wrestler, Rowdy Roddy Piper, but who knows if that's what it is. But loyal fan, obviously, uh, you've wanted to get on the locker room. I know we've discussed this, but apparently you can't get on... Because you don't have an iTunes app. I, I think Locker Room, if you're listening, step it up. We got to get these Android users on. Absolutely. All right. Anyway, he asks, if you could pick one home game to go to next season and one away game, which would they be and why? And I know you're asking this because you're considering making the trip from overseas to watch your Giants play, which I think would be awesome. And so we're going to give you our answers. Nick, start us off. What would be the one? Let's start here. What would be the one uh, Yeah, home game that you would love to go we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, you know what? I think we should get rid of... Should we get rid of the NFC East or do you want to take that into? No, I think that should be factored in. Okay, my one home game I would probably end up being the Dallas game. I believe it's in week 15. So that that that's the one home game I think that could be a really really important game. It's against Dallas. You know, there's going to be a bunch of Dallas fans there, and obviously I'm also considering Week 18, but that's going to be really cold. Granted, Week 15 is going to be pretty cold too. I think I'm just going to ignore the the weather and just go with importance. And I think that Dallas game could be really important. So that would be my one home game. Now as for away game, you know what, man? I kind of and I'm doing this not because I think like the Giants can win, but I'm doing this because I would like to go see Patrick Mahomes and be in an environment like Kansas City. So I think I'm going to have to choose that Monday Night Football game at Kansas City. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, 
you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I'm going the total opposite route here. I am factoring in weather, Nick, because I've been to a lot of Giants games in my yeah. lifetime, and I've been to a lot of cold weather Giants games. I've been to games that are so cold that you had to put a cardboard box on the concrete in front of you, a trick that my dad taught me and his dad taught him. So for those of you fans attending games, use that cardboard box trip when it's super cold. You had to triple sock up. You had to go boots. You had Wait, to go- can you walk me through this cardboard thing? <laughs> yeah. So you guys put cardboard on the pavement. <laughs> on the concrete under to the seats. To keep your toes warm? It just makes everything better. Trust me. You're much okay. warmer. Yeah. You put the cardboard box on, on the yep. pavement. Tell me if anyone's listening and has done this trick or knows this trick. Att- someone did, can attest. insulating yourself from the weather with the cardboard? No, I, I don't know what it is, but you put the cardboard cardboard on the concrete and then you put your feet on the cardboard instead of straight on the concrete okay yes it's a it's a good move trust me it works but anyway i'm gonna advise do not put yourself in the east rutherford wins in late december which is what week 15 is now with the new nfl yeah. schedule yeah. so instead i'm advising you step it up and you go to the giants falcons on september 26 good chance the weather's still okay more so this is probably the best chance for offense you're going to get all year i think this could be the giants best offensive game of the season so who doesn't want to see offense that's a big factor for me so i'm saying go there and then the opposite for me for the away game i say go giants at chargers Mm. few reasons why you should be doing this one it's going to be beautiful in los angeles as it always is two it's a dome so who cares and three, the Chargers don't have any home fans. So you don't have to worry about things that I would never suggest you do, like going to an Eagles game. I mean, I've never been to the Eagles, a road Eagles game, but I've heard from my dad and my mom that my dad once took her when they were dating before they got married, and the Giants had a pick six to win or to get to overtime or to win in overtime, and they literally had to run out of their seats to get out of the stadium because they were firing things at my mom and dad and cursing off my mom and she was scared how can you curse at Nancy yeah I don't know how you could curse her she's a saint but you know what never go to an Eagles away game as your first game Dallas might be okay Washington might be okay but I wouldn't suggest those go to LA enjoy the weather enjoy the fact that they don't have any fans in their stadium so you might actually have Giants fans outnumbering their fans that's a good point so those are my calls that's a good point. DK Whitman asks, would you rather have Jones, Tony, and Chicago's 2022 first or Fields and whatever we could have gotten for Jones, presumably a second or a third? Do you think you will feel the same way in May 2022? Excellent question, DK. Excellent question. I'll start by saying I don't know if the Giants would get a second or third for Jones. Who knows? It's so hard to say. That's totally dependent on teams taking the time to watch his film and like a that you're not gonna that type of deal would never happen in in a day that's not like a draft day deal that's a deal that happens over months you pitch the idea that you're considering trading a guy like jones then the other team starts to watch his film the other team goes back to the pre-draft evaluations they had of him and then maybe you find a deal there's one player or one team that i feel like would and that's the denver broncos yeah they liked him but well pat Shermer, pat Shermer mm-hmm. loves daniel jones I think that is definitely one team that would probably, if Pat Shermer wanted it and say he was done with Locke, which it seems like it, that could be it because they did bring in Teddy Bridgewater, right. I think that's one team that would do that investment. But anyway. Yeah, so let's say it was a second or third. That's fine. So you get a second or third plus Fields, or you get Jones, Tony. And by the way, when you get Fields versus Jones, you reset the rookie contract. You get him on the first year of his rookie cheap deal. 
or Jones Tony in Chicago's first. I'm gonna go. Now this is a, a cop out answer, DK, but it's the truth. I haven't watched Dan, uh, Justin Fields' film. Like I didn't watch the quarterback class in depth, with the exception of Zach Wilson, who I fell in love with. It's the only guy I watched like nine Zach Wilson games on film. I don't think I watched a single Justin Fields game on film. I saw a lot of games broadcast. I watched a crap ton of Big Ton football. I obviously saw him, saw him rise to the biggest occasion and dominate that Clemson defense, and he looked awesome out there. I think his skill set is filthy. He runs a legit four four, so he can be an, a factor in the game, and he has great arm talent and everything. And he's a winner and he's tough. All that is good. But without actually watching his film, it's hard to say. So I think for me, I'm going to lean on Jones, Tony, Chicago, especially because I know if I need to after this year, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that have already started to intrigue me in that 22-22 class. Malik Willis to me, who baby Malik Willis has talent just oozing, dripping with upside, Malik Willis. And you have Spencer Rattler, who looks like he has a lot of talent, not the same kind of player as Malik Willis, but also has an incredible amount of talent and more of a pocket passer type talent. So I really like what I've seen from him. And those are just a couple guys to start. I mean, some people really like Sam Howell. I haven't watched much of him. Some people like the kid from uh, Ole Miss, Matt Corral. I haven't watched much of him, but Knowing I can do that with my two picks because I get it in the Chicago trade, I'm probably leaning with that one. Yeah, Fields to me has a higher ceiling than Daniel Jones, but I'm still going with Jones, Tony in that 2022 first. That, even with the rookie contract and all that stuff factored in, for me, I'm, I think I'm firm on the Jones, Tony in Chicago's one. And then I'm going to ask you this one, Dan, because this is specific to you. Darren Many asked Dan, from one Mets fan to another, what's your take on the Mets season this season? Great question, Darren. I want to start by saying this. How good, how great has it felt, and I know I'm going to make some enemies with this comment, but how great has it felt to listen to your Yankee fan friends complain about this season? All I hear from every Yankees fan I'm friends with is complaints. We're we're so bad. We're the worst. We're this and that. This guy sucks. That guy sucks. We can't. All we can do is hit home runs or strike out. That's like music to my ears. It makes up for anything that's happened to the Mets. But I will say this regarding the Mets. I am optimistic. And my pessimistic side would say the bullpen is a little bit smoke and mirrors right now. Obviously, the bullpen's been really good the last few weeks. That I don't feel as confident. It feels a little smoke and mirror but Familia's pitching with confidence, which I like. And obviously, Diaz, for now, is, hasn't blown up. But what I will say is there's a lot of positive regression that's going to come to this Mets batting, to this Mets lineup soon. There's no chance in hell Francisco Lindor bats 202 the entire season, okay? There's no chance in hell Dom Smith bats 250. And even other players like Michael Conforto, who's batting 238 at this exact moment that we're recording, I think he's going to come up as well. So all those guys are going to start to put the ball in play more often. I think all those guys are going to start to home run more often. I mean, Lindor and Dom Smith and Conforto have combined for six home runs right now. That is unbelievably low. Like from a regression standpoint, if you just look at, and for baseball, I don't think regression is a good thing to always say for football, but for baseball, these stats do tend to regress either positively or negatively. So I'm feeling good about the batting coming around. I think the bullpen can hopefully hold up. So maybe I'm too optimistic, Darren, but I have been since they hired Steve. I'm sorry, since they Steve, since Steve Cohen bought the team. And I'm going to remain that way. You know, We don't get a chance to be that optimistic all the time, Darren. <laughs> okay. So let's go on to the next question from Rohan. It's, we don't hear a lot about Dexter Lawrence. What are your expectations for him going into year three for the Giants? We touched on him a little bit before, and honestly, just going through his PFF stats and everything, like he's graded well, but again, like I don't know what to really put into that. But I'm just looking at the stats in general. He played less snaps 
in 2020. He played 701 in 2019, 655 in 2020. Now without Dalvin Tomlinson there, I think it's going to be up more towards the 700s if he remains healthy. And he honestly, he had solid pressure rates both seasons. He had 30 in year one. He had 29 last year, was able to get seven sacks in between. And like we kind of said a little bit earlier, he's somebody who has a high floor, but his ceiling isn't overly high. But I still feel good about him. I'm not writing him off. I think for his role in this defense, he's very, very important. He's just an absolute load to block. He clogs interior gaps, not even as a nose tackle, but you can put him as a four eye. You can put him as a three technique when they line up in tight. And he can just eat double teams and allow those linebackers to scrape over the top and put themselves into positions to execute their run fit. So I really like Dexter Lawrence, but again, I don't believe he's a high ceiling type of player, but that's just not his role. He's not an edge rusher. Those guys are the high ceiling type of guys. These are the guys who do the dirty work, who might not get the stats that you want, but are vital to just the entire continuity of your defense. Yeah, Nick nailed every key point there. I don't think there's anything he missed, to be honest. The only other thing I would add to that would be that I was a little, one part of me was a little intrigued by the possibility of if they didn't bring in a guy like Danny Shelton to see him at the nose. Because I just was intrigued, like, what would that do for the defense? It would look different. I just feel like him at the nose is a lot different than a player like Dalvin Thomas, and it can maybe unlock some stuff. I don't know if it can, I don't know if it can't, but that's obviously going to be out the table, I think, with Shelton on signing. So, But ultimately, you hit all the key points he, there. He may play nose sometimes, but I want Shelton at the nose. Yes, I, I want... I want Dexter Lawrence where he was because I know that offenses are like, oh, we have to block this 340-pound guy trying to move laterally. And then, like, he's so good, too, at, like, using his instincts and feeling out the blocks and feeling when that transition's going to go. Because say it's going to be some sort of a double-team block and climb, he feels when that guard or when that tackle is going to climb, and then he usually does a really good job getting to the half-man of the non-climbing offensive lineman, putting himself in a position to make a play on the football or rush the passer. So I think that's something that he does really well. And I only think he's going to grow from here because he, you know, reportedly works his ass off, has all those good football characteristics that you look for. So, but again, not the highest ceilings. That's just not his game. Yeah, and I think he does a lot of the dirty work, a lot of the things that don't always show up in the box score, a lot of things that specifically help with the run game and the run defense, which has its obviously has its merits and has its role in any defense. All right, Dan, do you think Riley Dixon will be the Giants punter week one of the regular season, or do you think uh, there's some like undrafted guy is going to kind of come in and possibly take that role? And also, who will be the Giants punt returner and kick returner in week one? Yeah, this one also comes from Rowan. It's an interesting question with Dixon because if a scenario plays out where there's a June 1st type cut or an offensive interior lineman who they really like to potentially start week one, but they don't have the cap space for him, they might make Dixon a June 1st cut to create cap space. I don't think that's the route they go. I think they probably just restructure some of what they already have on the roster. So my guess would be he's the punter week one of the regular season. And then the second part was who will be the Giants punt return or kick return. And I think that's a little bit more fun to try to guess. I think Tony's going to get his shot in the punt game right away, right early on. I think that's kind of why they drafted him. As far as kick returner goes, I think we're probably going to see uh, the dude from um, from Arizona who they just drafted, Brightwell, because I think he'll make the team anyway because of special teams, and I think he's shown a little bit. I think they believe that maybe... like Usually those guys, but like, remember, they had Deion Lewis back there returning kicks last year. So ultimately for me, it's like I'm at the point with kick returns where now the way they've set it up with touchbacks going to 25 instead of the 20 with the likelihood of fumbles to just destroy your game and the unlikelihood of a kick return touchdown happening or a big kick return happening i just mostly want to take the 25 yard line touchback anytime anyway so i for me it's like less of an interest i would say 
Yeah, and honestly, the uh, I think Jabril Peppers could be a punt returner too. I think Kadarius yeah. Tony is going to have his shot at that, but I think you're right. I think if we saw anything from last year's, and, I mean, Deion Lewis didn't really do a great job at this, but they like a safe kick returner who's going to hold on to the football. Right. So maybe you're looking at a running back or maybe a more sure-handed receiver rather than maybe one of those defensive backs. But at the same time, Corey Ballantyne, we've seen take a kicks back, and I know a lot of that was in the Pat Shermer era as well in his rookie season. So uh, the kicker term, I mean, Brightwell's a good call, to be honest, if he can prove that he can hold on. But I think ball security is going to be the big thing there. And I don't know why Deion Lewis fumbled so much last season. It just seemed to... You and I were always just like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, I, I don't even get it. What are you doing on the roster? Anyways, but uh, yeah, for uh, punt returner, I think that's hopefully Kadarius Tony. Yeah, especially if he's not immediately playing like 70% of the offensive snaps or something like that. All right. Rowan has one more question. We're going to let him get it in because why not? We're having fun. It's a mailbag pod. He says, besides the interior offensive line, what position group would you say is the one of most concern? Hmm. So besides, so right now, I think you can, I think there's a couple ways you can go here. I think tight end could be brought up. If Kyle Rudolph isn't healthy, then you're just kind of retrotting Evan Ingram, who didn't fit in this offense, Kane Smith, who we like, and Levine Toy Lolo out there. That's not something that's great. I think linebacker, if if there's an injury to Blake Martinez, you're not looking at a great situation. I mean, what'd you do? You brought in Reggie Ragland and that's really <laughs> it. And you hope Tay Crowder takes another step. So those would be the two positions. I think you, you did a good job in the draft addressing the edge the uh, talent at the edge position by bringing in Aziz Ojolari, Ellison Smith, two different type of edge rushers. So I would say tight end and linebacker are probably fighting for it. What about you? Yeah, for me, it would be a little bit of an outside the box type box type answer, I should say. Uh, for me, it's going to be the quarterback position. So they ha- currently have Daniel Jones and Mike Glennon as their quarterbacks, likely to go into season with just two quarterbacks. And, you know, through his career right now, Daniel Jones, he has 22 interceptions in 27 games. And 29 combined fumbles in 27 games so combining those two numbers right there i'm not the best at math but i can probably do this little example that's 51 turnovers in 27 games almost averaging two turnovers per game which is you're never going to win you're never going to win a super bowl when your quarterback is averaging two turnovers a game but even you know adding to that he has a career 6.6 yards per attempt which is just goes back into you know he just hasn't generated much offense with his arm through the first two seasons so ultimately you know if you're a guy who has what 51 turnover 35 touchdowns and 51 turnovers through his career and you're not generating much offense on a per pass basis you're still a big question mark to me i'm still very concerned heading into year three and as far as mike lennon goes i don't think he's going to do anything if he comes in he might be a little better than than colt mccoy but he might be worse as well i think he should be more competent though so for me that would be the position that's uh the second most concerning to me honestly it's a position if i'm being completely honest it's a position that's most concerning to me yeah and especially if daniel jones doesn't end up hitting so adam johnson asks hey fellas is it possible for you guys to come up with a plan on how to ask judge and the position coaches during the season some scheme related questions this year that the beat writers don't ask at all hashtag big blue banter well i like that you hashtagged adam and i and you're a, you're a big fan of the show and i know you've been trying to get some questions in and sometimes we miss you and it's been miscommunication so happy we got a chance to this time it's an interesting question so do we have any ideas nick for some kind of scheme a plan that we can uh, come up with to ask judge questions because just so you know adam neither nick or i are credentialed with the giants i have gotten credentials before i covered t- three games during the last season before the pandemic for cbs but that was 
a different role that I was in with the CBS Sports Company at the time. When I was on 24-7 Sports, I was covering the Giants exclusively, and I got some access to training camp, never got access to the game. The Giants are known for being pretty stingy with their credentials and their access, so I doubt they're going to let a podcast only get access. Not to mention, I couldn't pull that off of my normal work schedule. Maybe we get Nick there if we can hook that up. Yeah, I mean, there's possibilities of me being on the calls, but it's going to be a while, I think, for me to earn the right to ask a question, to, to be frank with you, because they don't know who I am. But with either Sports Illustrated or SB Nation, I'm sure eventually I'll be able to be on the calls. And that's one step. If I ever get a chance to ask the question, though, it won't just be a cookie cutter question. It will be a scheme question. Yeah, I love that. And I feel the same way, Adam. If I am asking questions, they won't be cookie cutter questions. They will be scheme based questions. They will be you know, personnel based questions, all the type of interesting stuff that doesn't often get asked. So I don't know about the plan for this year, maybe, Adam, but down the line, potentially. All right. Nashington DC asks expectations for bj hill this year will he be a full-time contributor or a lifelong rotational player thing is i don't know how much when they roll out those like two four five type of defenses they're gonna have big defensive linemen out there outside of those early downs if they still employ those tight fronts where i think bj hill will be there and last year he played i think considerable amount of snaps 37 in the dallas game but before that it was 20 21 one game was 18 one game was 15 averaged around like 28 snaps i'm hoping that can get bumped up to like the mid 30s but it also depends on the situation of the game what defenses the giants are using and all those types of things and if they are rolling out there with just two down linemen one of them is definitely going to be leonard williams especially if it's in passing situations or second down and the other one i could see them wanting to use dexter lawrence i think putting bj hill out there is going to be sound on those tight fronts sometimes but you have some talented players here to be honest I mean especially if you want to use Danny Shelton as a nose because if you're going to use Danny Shelton as a nose then you're going to put Leonard probably on the backside at three technique and then down and then uh, Dexter Lawrence I'm sorry as that four eye so where does BJ Hill fit in so he might be looking at more of a rotational role but I'm hoping that rotational role still consists of a lot of snaps especially on third down. So I'm hoping he has some sort of third down role if they want to employ some bigger bodies because I do believe his upfield burst ability to get to the half man, use his hands violently, and also bend through his lower half. Something that we don't talk about a lot on the podcast. He has some good flexibility for a 300-pound dude, plays with really good leverage. I would love to see more snaps of him, but I'm not sure how much that's going to happen, especially if the Giants want to continue to use guys who they're going to drop into space like Aziz Ojolari, Ellerson Smith, and bring in those edge type of guys more, give them snaps on those third down situations. Yeah, I mean, you outlined it perfectly there. I think ultimately BJ Hill is one of the most underrated players on the roster for the exact reason you said, and it was what Dave Gettleman said when he drafted him, and he was right. This guy can flip his hips. This guy has really good bend for a guy who's that size. And like you said, that upfield burst. I mean, when you watch the All-22, he flashes on such a limited amount of snaps. And even last season, like he topped out at 37 snaps. That was his season high in the last week of the season against Dallas and really had tons of games where he was barely over 20 snaps. And so I think he'll get a few more snaps with Dalvin Tomlinson gone. I think Danny Shelton won't play quite as much as Dalvin Tomlinson did. And that could lead to some opportunities for BJ Hill. But they do kind of also like Austin Johnson so he could eat into those as well. And like you said, they might try to get those guys like Ellerson Smith on the field in certain situations when they have these two man down fronts. And so ultimately, I don't think it's going to grow too much, but I do really like what I see from Hill every single time I watch the All-22. I mean, even in those limited snaps, pass rushing, he, I think it was like 11% 11 of the pass rushing snaps he was on the field, he ended up getting a pressure out of it. So he was getting there. And there were games where we were like, dude, look at BJ Hill just absolutely destroy this guy. Look how he uses his hands. And we were like, yo, man, this guy's grip strength is really good. Look how he anchors down here. So he's definitely, like, like we say Sterling Shepard is an underrated player on the offense. I feel like BJ Hill is that underrated player on the defense. Yeah, spot on. 
All right, Jason asks, realistically speaking, say Dave Gettleman wasn't the general manager, what could we get for trading Saquon Barkley? What could we get for trading Saquon Barkley? So is this coming off of an injury or is this healthy? That's a good question. Let's say for a hypothetical situation, it's after this season and he returns to 2018 form. Everything goes right, let's say. Everything goes right. He has almost an MVP type season as a as a running back, but obviously that usually ends up going to quarterbacks. I don't know, man. I mean, the whole he only has one year left probably dilutes it considerably. But I think you could definitely fetch a second and a fourth or something like that. Possibly if a team really wants a running back and it's going to be a late pick and they're desperate for whatever reason, maybe a one. But you're not getting a one from a team that's not going to be uh, – I don't even know if you'd get a one to be honest, dude. I'm trying to think of like a – not a Kansas City Chiefs because they have Clyde edwards Lair, but like a, a team that doesn't really have a running back that may put a high priority on that and maybe can get two years out of him being successful. Yeah, it's tough to say because it's like, this is a tough question because we haven't seen it happen at all. There's been no examples of this at yeah. all. Yeah. So because of that, it's difficult for us to kind of factor this in. I have like a totally different take than you on this, but I don't think either of us are right or wrong. I think it's based on, we don't have anything. All it takes is like one team. That's it like does all take one thing. team, but I just can't imagine any team would be, it, it does only take one team. You're right. So so hard to say. I don't think any team's going crazy for a running back and about to expire on. I agree with that, but off if, of two major injuries, I do agree with that. But if he puts up say 15 rushing touchdowns, 1500 yards, 75 catches for you know just under a thousand yards and like six receiving touchdowns i mean i i think a one is probably a little aggressive you're right but like you like we said it's just one team you're definitely i i would not be shocked with like a two and a four or two and a five though yeah i mean i i guess i can't i wouldn't be shocked with anything because it's, there's no frame of reference for this kind of deal and ultimately like if dave gettleman if they have a good season dave gettleman's resigned dave, john mara and dave gettleman are making saquon barkley the highest paid player in the nfl and i'm sure of it. i said in january i thought that Devonte smith would be the giants draft pick and if the eagles didn't trade ahead of him i would have nailed that one in january so i was feeling good about my prediction so my next prediction was the record of 11 and 6 we'll see if that one comes into play that was quite optimistic of me but this is my other prediction the giants will make Saquon Barkley the highest paid running back in the NFL and I think the highest paid running back right now is just north of 16,000 or 16 million for uh, Christian McCaffrey yeah and with the new TV deal coming in and the rise in the cap it will be close to 20 million per year I believe maybe 18 which is so much money allocated to the running back it's a horrendous use of your resources we're not gonna get into that I'm not even gonna argue that it to me is inarguable so we'll go on from there and there's tons of history that suggests that it's obvious I mean Ezekiel Elliott contract Todd Gurley contract, literally every contract that's been signed for these guys, and that's these are some of those guys had a clean bell of health at that point. Like Zeke didn't have what Saquon had when Saquon tore his ACL last year. He also tore his MCL. It was really bad. The swelling was like on for a week to the point where he couldn't get the surgery until a week after he originally wanted mm-hmm. to get the surgery, and that's after spraining his MCL bad during the season before that. Like it, it's it is what it is there, but. We're not going to get into that now. Yeah, so Glenn Perez asks, and this is going to be our last question, actually. Rick Serratella from NFL Draft Bible really praised the Giants' day three picks, said A-Rob would be the best nickel cornerback, maybe even the best DB on the team. Ellerson Smith, with huge upside, would definitely get a second contract with the Giants, and Brightwell would make the 53. Wondering your thoughts. I'll start with the first one. I think A-Rob could definitely be the best nickel cornerback. I don't think there's any chance he's going to be the best DB on the team. Year one, at least. Ever. I'll go ever. 
I don't think he has the ceiling of James Bradbury or anywhere close to that. Yeah, but just James Bradbury's not on the team in two years, and then like he develops. Then I all right. You're hoping you're not in that situation, yeah. but I'm not I don't gonna say really think he has never. the ceiling of Xavier McKinney. I don't think he has the ceiling of Jabril Peppers. Like I don't know. I'm I'm off on this one, I guess, but I definitely don't see that. Um, Ellerson Smith, huge upside, would definitely get a second contract, possible. I mean, it really so much has to happen. So much has to happen. I think that's just kind of just like a. A bit random to me. I don't know. I don't know. No, I agree with you, yeah. I don't know what to really say about that. Bright will make the 53. Yeah, I think he will. They put such a high priority on finding these special teams aces, especially if he earns that kick return job, which I think he could. I think he could definitely make the 53. So I would I would say yes on that one. Yeah, the Aaron Robinson one is aggressive. I'm going to say there's the avenue to that isn't likely, but can I see it actually happening? I wouldn't be super shocked, but I also hope the Giants have a better secondary than that. And Aaron Robinson, I love him as a prospect, but he's also relatively undersized. Doesn't project great to the boundary, so you're looking at more of a nickel guy, more of a star player, more of a uh, versatile second-level defender than somebody who can consistently play on the boundary or to the field side, cornerback, outside. Cornerback is really what I'm referring to. But I do love the player, but that that is a bit aggressive and like you said, the Ellerson Smith thing, so many things have to happen. For I mean, how many times? We haven't even seen many Giants drafted getting second contracts with the team. So, Yeah, not recently, but hopefully that will change. <laughs> that's, that's necessary to change. All right, that's it for the mailbag tonight. We got all the questions in. If we somehow missed your question, we do apologize. Hit us up. We'll get it on the next podcast. We promise no matter what. Remember, if you want to help us grow the show, there are multiple ways to do it, and all of them help us, two more than others. The first and most important is please, please go to YouTube right now. Type in Big Blue Banter. Subscribe to our new YouTube page, like a couple videos, watch a couple videos. Do the exact same thing on iTunes with your podcast app. And make sure you always hit download, by the way. This is a little thing not everybody knows. When you listen to our podcast and just hit play, but you don't actually hit download, it doesn't doesn't count for us, and that actually hurts us. So please don't do that. Please actually download. Please give us a rating review. Join us on Tuesday nights every Tuesday, 8 p.m. on Locker Room for live Q&A. And then follow us on Instagram, NYBigBlueBander on Instagram. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon.